ಜ್ಞಾನಂಜನಶಲಾಕಾಯ ಚಕ್ಷುರ್ಮೀಲಿತೀಸ್ಪೀಕ್ಯೂಸ್ಟರ್ಸ್ಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ರಿಕ್ಸ್ಟ್ರಿಕ್
standard, abstract truth that is applicable in all times and all places and all circumstances. It's not a created truth, or it's not, it's not a thesis created by anyone. It's just the way things are. It's a, it's a, it's an eternal, inviolable principle of reality that two plus two equals four. It's not a principle of the ultimate reality. We can, it's a mathematical truth. Of course, Krishna, he doesn't have to abide by mathematical truths. Om Purnam Adaha Purnam Idam Purnam Udachate Purnasyam Purna Adaya Purnam Eva Vashishate The Supreme Complete Krishna, even if many complete units emanate from him, he remains complete. He doesn't become diminished by the emanation of complete units from him. In the beginning of the Bible, it's mentioned that God created the world in six days and on the seventh day he took rest, he was exhausted. This is a... uh, an incomplete understanding of the complete who doesn't become tired by his acti- by his activities of he has uh, <clears throat> inexhaustible resources sarva shaktiman is one of the uh, basic points of understanding of the supreme lord he is all powerful. All he is possessed of all power. This is a basic understanding of the supreme Lord. So uh, I was talking about the Vedas. They they are truths which eternally exist, but they appear they may appear difficult to understand unless one is guided through them by those who actually understand the purpose of the Vedas. Just like to give a a rough example, uh, to the layman in mathematics, if he picks up a book full of algebra, trigonometry, integral calculus, then he may have... He's not likely to be able to understand anything whatsoever. To him it just looks like a, some uh, unin- just like some unintelligible hieroglyphics. But if it is explained, then gradually he can understand the truth or the, or the system, the systems by which mathematics work. If it's explained, someone can give the understanding to him. Now, uh, there are various schools of understanding the Vedas, Vedic knowledge. They all have different conclusions. Siddhanta means conclusion. Siddha means 
perfect or perfected, which are similar but not exactly synonymous terms. Perfect means complete and without any flaw. And perfected means uh, that previously one wasn't perfect, but he's come to that stage. Something that was a work in the making has come to completion. So perfect, complete conclusion. So a philosophical conclusion to be perfect should uh, have no flaws. It should, especially when we're concerned with the purpose and meaning of life, which the various schools of the Vedas, they purport to explain the purpose and meaning of life, then that should be applicable to all persons in all places and all times and all circumstances. But various schools of philosophy, they bring out different, what they consider to be conclusions. Some are materialistic and atheistic. These have been dealt with by Vyasadeva, who, who edited the Vedas at the end of Dwarpa Yoga. He edited the, the Vedas and within his uh, separately composed work, the Brahma Sutra, Vedanta Sutra, he refuted misunderstandings or he refuted uh, all the uh, wrong understandings Within the Vedanta Sutra, Vyasadeva refuted all the wrong understandings of the Vedic knowledge and gave the perfect understanding, which was subsequently taken by various philosophers. Vyasadeva gave the perfect understanding, and that again was taken by various philosophers, notably... Sri Shankara Acharya, and again the wrong meaning taken out of it. The uh, Vedanta Sutra begins, Atato Brahma Jignasa. Now we should inquire about Brahman. Brahman means this, that which is great. So Shankara took that what is great, well, we are great. I am great. The self-realized person is <coughs> Brahman is great, and then you Brahmavit Brahmaiva Bhavati. There is one statement in Shastra that by knowing Brahma, one becomes Brahma. So such statements as these are misunderstood by Shankara to mean that the jiva becomes great in all respects. So it requ- to uh, understand all the statements of the Vedas, uh, it requires uh, 
very clear understanding because, because for instance in the, in the uh, I was saying the Vedanta Sutra is the summary of all the, of the Vedas but then Bhagavad Gita that is also but in a uh, a much more succinct form and there in Bhagavad Gita which is spoken directly by Krishna who is <coughs> as he describes in Bhagavad Gita he is the object of knowledge in all the Vedas he states that the jivas are parts of him Krishna eternally so there's no question of the Jiva becoming the Supreme. Krishna, as he establishes very clearly in Bhagavad Gita, is the Supreme. That is underlined by Arjuna. Param Brahma, Param Dhamma, Pavitram, Paramam Bhavan. You are the Supreme Truth. You are the Supreme Brahman. Atato Brahma Jignasa. The subject of inquiry is Brahman. And what is the supreme uh, understanding of that Krishna, the supreme personality of Godhead? This is uh, accepted by Arjuna and by all great scholars. Ahastram Rishayasarave. All great rishis, those who, who are seers of the truth, they accept this. <coughs> so that Krishna is supreme is uh, very strongly uh, established by the Vaishnava Acharyas Hari Sarvotama Hari Krishna is above all and Hari is not simply a code word for a truth which is ultimately impersonal This he is uh, Guna Purnam he is full of all qualities. So um, in this way the Vaishnava Acharyas they very strongly establish the point that actually they, they stress on Narayana being the supreme and others being subordinate to him. This uh, Siddhanta or this proper conclusion is the actual conclusion of the Vedas. All other conclusions are misinterpretations. This proper conclusion is uh, brought out by the Vaishnava Acharyas, uh, beginning with Vyasadeva himself, who, after compiling Vedanta Sutra, composed his own commentary, or gave his own commentary, or the commentary on all the Vedas, which is Srimad Bhagavatam. Now, of course, Srimad Bhagavatam is also eternal. But Vyasadeva has composed it in the present form. Srimad Bhagavatam is uh, a description of Krishna, and Krishna is unlimited. So Bhagavatam is unlimited. We have Bhagavatam presently in 18,000 verses, but actually... It may be in millions and billions of verses. Only that in Kali Yoga our capacity is limited. And when we see a book of 18,000 verses, most people, they think it's too much. 
even that was asked about Shonaka asked, well, why did Shukadev study Bhagavad Why did he study such a big literature? Even they thought it was a big literature. He was already, Shukadev was already self-realized, so why did he take the trouble to study such a big literature if he's already self-realized? What was the answer? Anyone know the answer? Atma Ramascha Munayo Nigranta Apya Rukrame Kurvantya Haitu King Bhaktim Itam Bhuta the answer is that even self-realized souls, they are attracted to the transcendental qualities of Krishna, which is described in Srimad Bhagavatam. So, uh, Srimad Bhagavatam describes the greatness of Krishna, and getting back to that point, Prem Siddhanta, suppose we're describing Prem Siddhanta here. This uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur used this term in his... Uh, within his tenth canto commentary. So the Siddhanta is that uh, the perfect conclusion of all Vedic literature is that Krishna is supreme and all are subordinate to him. But there is more to say to this also. This should be understood. After going through all different kinds of philosophizing, one may eventually come to the point Bahunam Janmanamante Gyanavan Mamprapadyate Vasudeva Sarvamiti Samahatma Sudurlabaha. After millions of lifetimes of thinking, well, maybe the truth is like this, maybe it's like that, finally come to conclude that Krishna is all in all. And then surrender to him. And mostly the Vaishnava Acharyas they stress on this point. When I say mostly the Vaishnava Acharyas, I mean particularly here in the south, Ramanuja and Madhva are well known. Uh, Vishnu Swami was formerly well known, now Vallabh in the uh, northwest of India. And Nimbarka, his sampradaya has become quite small. These are the uh, four prominent Vaishnava Acharyas in the Kali Yoga of whom among scholars, both uh, scholars of the Vedic literature or the, or the Vedic culture, especially, uh, well, both uh, those who accept the Vedas and those who are simply secular scholars, they both tend to put more emphasis on Ramanuja and Madhva. They consider there are three philosophers of Vedanta. Shankara, and Ramanuja who replied to Shankara and Madhva who replied to Shankara. So they, they consider these the really great scholars because they, their commentaries on uh, Vedanta Sutra are somehow or other accepted as the most important ones. So uh, the uh, Vaishnava Acharyas, uh, the influential Vaishnava Acharyas in, here in the south, especially Ramanuja and Madhva, and in the philosophical world we could say that they're, they're considered the most important and they emphasize service to uh, Narayana with the aim of attaining mukti. Actually that's the point they usually, they, they, they emphasize very much on this term mukti, that we, we have to get mukti, that we'll get the grace of the Lord and he will give us mukti. This uh, 
Madhvacharya directly states that uh, Amala Bhakti or spotless, pure devotion that is the sadhana for attaining mukti. This is not Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's conclusion. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's siddhanta is that he gives very little importance to mukti. Mm. That mukti, that is uh, a side effect of bhakti and is not even considered very important by persons who are interested in bhakti because actual bhakti as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu describes there is no personal desire not even the desire for mukti actual if there is actual bhakti then the desire for mukti it's just not there because one is overwhelmed by the qualities of Krishna. If there's actual bhakti, then one is not thinking of oneself. There's no self-interest separate from Krishna. That thinking, well, I'll serve him and then he'll give me mukti. That thought is not there at all. It is simply love for the sake of love. Why, why should we love Krishna? Just because we love him. We can't, then, of course, philosophically, the devotees in the line of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they have uh, described in great detail how this is the ultimate benefit for the jiva, it is most beneficial for him. It is, it is, it is actually his only natural position is to love Krishna. There's nothing beyond it. There's nothing outside of that. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu described, Krishna Vishaya Prema Param Purusharta Jar Age Chunatulla Chari Purusharta. He said that the uh, dharma, artha, kama, moksha, religiosity, economic development, sense gratification and liberation, which are considered the four goals of human life generally within the Vedic culture, that prema, love focused on Krishna, that is the actual goal of life and these chari purusharata in comparison to that Krishna frame, they seem no more significant than straw. Means insignificant. If there's a piece of straw, you don't even think about it. It's just something, maybe sweep it out of the way. It just has no significance. So in the same way, for those who actually have prem or love for Krishna, they're so overwhelmed by that that they, they, they just can't think of anything else. They, for, for them, nothing else has any meaning or significance. That is the actual nature of Krishna Prema and that is the actual nature of the jiva to have such Prema and therefore that is the actual conclusion of the Vedas. Because the Vedas give knowledge of Krishna, and certainly he is supreme. 
there's no doubt the we're not saying the Vaishnava Acharyas in describing Krishna as supreme that they are wrong. That is of course a fact. And the conditioned souls in the material world they they need to understand that. Because always the tendency is to forget that and to try to supersede Krishna and take his position. But when one is actually purified, then it's not just all the time thinking, oh, he's supreme, I'm the servant, he's supreme. It's not that you have to go on reminding yourself all the time. It's a natural understanding. It's just to give a rough example. The child, when he becomes a little grown up, and responsible doesn't think all the time oh it's my father therefore I have to obey him I have to serve him he's not like he, he's all the time making a philosophical calculation oh my father I have to obey it, it just becomes just there automatically and without thinking So we're not saying that devotees should be unthinking. Devotees should think. Because if we don't philosophically understand our position as servants of Krishna, then we're going to adopt a wrong understanding. The whole world is running away from Krishna. And the nature of this world is that it seems like what's going on is correct and real. Everyone in the modern age, without questioning it, thinks that it's correct and proper to work hard, make money, try to get a good career, buy as many things as you can, and in this way pass on your life. Everyone thinks like that. But a devotee has a different way of thinking. A devotee thinks... Let me serve Krishna. Everything in this world is temporary. What is the value of material acquisition? Let me surrender to Krishna. So we have to remember this. We have to constantly remind ourselves and avail ourselves of the opportunity to be reminded of this by hearing discourses on this point, by reading Śrīla Prabhupāda's books. Then again and again we become reminded. It might not be that we're actually forgetting it, but by regular hearing, that understanding becomes reinforced. So definitely we have to understand that we're the servants of Krishna. He is supreme. But when one becomes fixed in that understanding, then there's more to understand, further to understand. We find uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in discussing with Ramananda Rai, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taking the position of a student, asked Ramananda Rai to explain sadhya sadhana tattva, the goal of life and how to attain it. And Ramananda Rai suggested, so Ramananda Rai uh, offered various <coughs> propositions 
as to the goal of life and how to attain it. These are all respectable propositions within the field of religious understanding. They're all uh, within the scope of Vaishnavism, we could say. The first is Varnashamacharavata Purushena Parapuman Vishnur Aradhyate Panta Nanyatato Shakaranam. The first proposition that Ramananda Rai suggested was to satisfy Lord Vishnu by the process of performing one's duties within Varnashram. Not simply to perform Varnashram duties, but to perform them specifically uh, in service to Lord Vishnu. Now this understanding, that's already gone, that's already transcended or left behind the various atheistic understandings or impersonal understandings. So it's not a, it's not a bad proposition, in a, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu rejected that. And he rejected various other propositions of Ramananda Rai until Ramananda came to the point that uh, Lord Brahma had spoken to Krishna in Vrindavan, Jnane prayasamudapasya namanta eva jivanti sanmukharitam bhavati avartam sthane sthita shudigatang tanuvang manobhya ye prayasam jitititopi apitaistri lokyam that giving up the endeavor to acquire knowledge by one's own mental and intellectual faculties. One should simply become humble and hear from pure devotees about Krishna and in this way dedicate one's life fully in the service of Krishna, mind, body and words. And by this process one can conquer Krishna who is unconquerable. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu accepted this as uh, a, a, as a valid process, because if one, in humility, hears about Krishna from pure devotees, dedicating one's life to Krishna, then the natural result will be that one becomes attracted to Krishna. Pure devotees, when they speak about Krishna, they do not speak simply about his greatness, how great he is. If we always emphasize only the great, his greatness, then uh, the relationship may be something like fear or bordering on fear, his or duty that I have to serve him as a duty. He is great, so I have to serve him. But the Srimad Bhagavatam, more than any other Vaishnava literature, describes Krishna's pastimes, loving pastimes, in which the pure devotees, they interact with Krishna in a manner, in Srimad Bhagavatam, describes Krishna's dealings with his devotees 
in which the pure devotees do not think of Krishna as great, but simply love him for his qualities. That is called prema. And that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, more than any other Acharya, emphasized love of Krishna just because he is lovable. Not so much because, because he's great. In fact, even forgetting that he's great. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu introduced love of Krishna on the platform of considering that his greatness as being all-powerful, all-majestic. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu introduced the idea that consideration of Krishna's greatness is actually an obstacle to loving him in the manner that the greatest of pure devotees love him, namely the residents of Vrindavan. They love Krishna with not because he is all-powerful. They don't even know that he's all-powerful or even if they consider that he's all-powerful, it doesn't seem to... Th- it seems maybe untrue to them or unimportant to them. They're not very much interested in Krishna's power and majesty, but they're very interested in his flute playing. They're very interested in his dancing, how he dresses very nicely, how he smiles, how he jokes, how he tells riddles, how he uh, loves his cows. This is all very interesting to the residents of Vrindavan. They're not very much interested to listen about how Krishna is They're not very much interested to know how Krishna with only a fraction of his potency creates, maintains and destroys millions of universes. That doesn't seem to be very interesting to them. But that Krishna is playing so charmingly on his flute that completely captures their minds. That Krishna, the uh, how he looks out of the corner of his eyes while he's playing on his flute, this completely uh, shatters the hearts of the gopis to see the to see his beauty and his attractive glances, and at the same time hear his flute. Then they are totally overwhelmed by attraction for Krishna. And this attraction to Krishna, who by his very name means all attractive. So what is it that makes Krishna Krishna? His attractiveness. So the attractiveness that the residents of Vrindavan feel toward Krishna is not attraction to his greatness, his majesty, his power, but attraction to who he is as a person not to his not to the manifestation of what he can do or his abilities Krishna has 
all those abilities. There is always eternally, there is eternal attributes. But Krishna himself is much more interested in playing on his flute than creating, maintaining and destroying millions of universes. Therefore, prem or love for Krishna based on his personal qualities rather than respect for him based on his greatness. This is the ultimate conclusion of the Vedic knowledge. This is Prema Siddhanta. That Chaitanya Mahaprabhu especially revealed. Anarpita chiring chirat karunya avatirno kalo samapya tamuna tajvala rasa svabhakti sriyam. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu revealed this. is very rarely revealed because most people in the world, they are so far away from Krishna, they simply have to understand how great he is, we have to surrender to him. Therefore the Vaishnava Acharyas emphasize this again and again. But simply to say that he is great and we are his servants, well, certainly there's some taste in that. But there's not nearly the same taste as there is in loving Krishna for who he is. And even up to the present day, not in a very realized way, uh, but the, uh, the attractiveness of Krishna continues to attract people who are even not very realized. That, yes, that's, uh, I was just seeing in a magazine, I was looking early this morning at one magazine called Hindu Voice. And there was an article on Krishna, how he's, uh, he's a popular movie star even today. That the, uh, there have been so many, there was Mahabharat back in about, I don't know, when was that? 1980 something, the first Mahabharat movie came out. Krishna's the central figure there. And then there was uh, this, what's his name, Raman Sagar or something, made this uh, Krishna series on TV. And Krishna keeps on coming on TV. And he's, uh, people love Krishna. That love for Krishna, it may, it may not be very well developed or properly understood, but Krishna remains attractive. And there were different people talking about why Krishna is attractive. Well, you see, He's a complete person. He's, these were uh, uh, people uh, without knowledge of Shastra speaking, but they were saying that when you see Krishna, he's a, he's a childhood hero. And then he, as, as a baby, he's very attractive. In his boyhood, he's very attractive. And then in his youth, he's very attractive. And as he becomes older, throughout his life, he goes on doing amazing things. Uh, and he's, he's got so many sides to his personality. He's a great philosopher, spoke the Bhagavad Gita. He's enigmatic because people, uh, good people like sadhus, they love him, but on the other hand, he appears to be uh, himself in some ways not very good. He's a thief, he's a liar, he's a debauchee. So, in this way, there's a Krishna is... A, he, he goes on being attractive, even to modern man. So, uh, that's a fact. Krishna is all attractive. But, uh, 
if we really want to love Krishna and bring our natural attraction to him to the pure and perfect point, then we have to understand Prema Siddhanta. Which means to understand that it's it's not proper bhakti simply to watch Krishna on a TV serial and then uh, change the channel and watch a cricket match. That's not pure bhakti. And it's not pure bhakti to worship Krishna one day and Ganesh another day and Murugan another day and Ayapa another day. That's also not pure bhakti. And it's also not pure bhakti to uh, worship Krishna and think that, well, he's an aspect of the ultimate impersonal. And in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's understanding, it's also not pure bhakti to worship Krishna simply considering him supreme and emphasizing his supremacy and his power over his sweetness. In Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Prema Siddhanta, that which is emphasized so much by the previous Vaishnava Acharya is that he is supreme. That is considered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to be an obstacle in developing pure love for Krishna. So that even though Madhva speaks of Amala Bhakti, according to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there is no Amala Bhakti as long as we are emphasizing all the time Hari Sarvotama. Rather, the pure love for Krishna, when one's actually developed it, that's described in Chaitanya Charitamrita, that Krishna relishes more than the prayers of the followers of the Vedas. He relishes much more the rebukes of the gopis who in pure love tell him, Krishna, we've had enough of you. Just don't bother us anymore. You mind your own business. We'll mind our own business. Keep away from us. Harsh words. Nowadays, uh, you see a boyfriend, if his girlfriend tells him, okay, I've had enough of you. That's it, finished. And he may commit suicide. But the gopis, they may tell that to Krishna. Krishna, he relishes that very much because he knows that Krishna's captured them. Even though they say that, the gopis say, okay, we've had enough. If they, the, the gopis, they analyze that Krishna's caused us so many problems, what's the point? Let's just forget Krishna. Then we'll be better off. And then they find, we can't forget him. It's impossible for us to forget him. So, uh, to understand that the we can understand through the Shastra that love of Krishna is the pure love of Krishna, prema, that is the uh, complete, highest understanding of the Vedas, which means knowledge of reality. This prema cannot be developed simply by philosophically understanding it, but philosophical understanding is required to even begin to enter into it. If one doesn't have a proper understanding, then he'll have a misunderstanding. That's guaranteed. 
And if one misunderstands Krishna, then how can one properly love him? You may love him on a wrong basis, or the love cannot be pure and complete. If one doesn't know how Krishna is completely pure and above all defects, then uh, one may profess to love him or, or be attracted to him. But on a, on a basis that's mixed up with incorrect ideas, just like I was reading this magazine, Hindu Voice. So that's promoting Hindutva. So one may, just like the, uh, the Krishna Janmastam at Mathura, is constantly guarded by Indian army jawans and officers because they're afraid if they don't protect, there's that, uh, the mosque is there, they'll blow it up like they did in Ayodhya. So the, uh, in the certain Hindus, they're attracted to Krishna. And they think, well, we should re-establish Krishna's birthplace temple by blowing up the mosque. And I must say, I'm not totally against that idea. I mean, after all, the, the mosque was put up as an act of envy on where there should be a Krishna temple there. But on the other hand, um, we don't take Krishna as a as a figure of Indian nationalism because Krishna is much or Hindu sectarianism because Krishna is much much more than being a a Hindu god as he's descri described in some English dictionaries Krishna a Hindu god or a symbol of Indian culture. Well, I, I guess in some ways the definition is not untrue, but it's very incomplete. So one should understand who Krishna is, and then it's possible to love him. If you don't, if, you, if we have a misunderstanding of him, then we can't develop actual love for him, because you actually love someone when you know who they are. If you don't really know who they are, if you have a misunderstanding of who they are, then you can't love them. So, uh, love for Krishna, that comes from, uh, there, there are five, there are many, the process of bhakti leads to bhakti, bhaktya sanjateya bhaktya, from bhakti comes bhakti. There are five processes which are particularly powerful in developing bhakti, which are <clears throat> sadhu sangha, nama kirtan, bhagavad shravan, Maturavas Shraddhai Srimurtir Sevan. I think you can all understand that. No need to translate it. So, chanting the names of Krishna, but that chanting it also develops on Sadhu Sangha. We have to hear from Sadhus who is Krishna. And especially we have to hear from Srimad Bhagavatam, which gives 
knowledge of Krishna in his majesty and uh, how all the great devotees have loved Krishna. And by associating with devotees who are developing love for Krishna, following in the footsteps of the residents of Vrindavan, then that natural love for Krishna, when I say natural, I mean it's the natural propensity of the soul, that will awaken. Nitya Siddha Krishna Prema Shadha Kabunoi Shravanadi Shuddha Chitte Koreye Udoi that Krishna Prem, Nitya Siddha, it is eternally present within the, within the heart of every living being. That can be revived by the process of bhakti beginning with Shravan. But again, the Shravan has, it depends on who one associates with. One can associate with mayavadis who read Bhagavata, but one will not get love of Krishna by doing so. One will become a mayavadi. So in the five important processes for developing bhakti, the first is mentioned sadhu sangha. First we have to choose our association very carefully. Associate with devotees who are dedicated to Krishna following in the footsteps of the residents of Vrindavan. That means selfless, service. On this platform we have to uh, we, we develop the attitude of selfish, selfless service. We cannot automatically jump into praying. But we have to... Deve- the, the, uh, the substratum of praying is the attitude of selfless service to Krishna. And at the same time, hearing about Krishna from pure devotees. So by these processes, uh, Krishna Prem, which is in the heart of everyone, will develop and chanting the holy names of Krishna. Nama Chintamani Krishna, Chaitanya Rasa Vigraha, Purana Shuddha, Nitya Mukta, Abhinadva Nama Naminoha, Krishna is his name. Krishna, the name of Krishna is Krishna. And particularly the name of Krishna is that manifestation of Krishna who bestows Krishna praying. The, the name of Krishna is uh, like Chintamani. means a wish, fulfill, wish fulfilling. It is, uh, the, uh, he is, the name of Krishna, is fully conscious, uh, imbued with rasa, the very form of rasa, complete, perfect, pure, always above material modes of nature, material thoughts, material conceptions, material anything and everything. So the name of Krishna, by chanting, this gives rise to love of Krishna. Krishna mantra hoite hobe shamochan, Krishna nam hoite pabe krishna charan. By chanting the Krishna mantra, one becomes freed from material existence. By chanting Krishna's name, 
one actually attains to the lotus feet of Krishna. So these are very powerful processes. The other two mentioned are living in Mathura, which one may do physically, or one may do by meditation also, and worship of the deity. These are very, with great faith. So these are very five powerful processes for awakening Krishna Prema, among which most powerful is chanting the names of Krishna without offenses. There are nine principal processes of bhakti, which all give rise to bhakti. <clears throat> but most important is the chanting of the names of Krishna. Bhajana Madhya Shreshta Navavidha Bhakti Krishna Krishna Prem Krishna Dite Dhare Mahashakti These nine processes of Bhakti Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Svaranam, Pada, Sevanam, Arjanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, Sakyam, Atmani, Vedanam These are the best of all the processes. There is the summation of all the processes. They're all very powerful to give Krishna and Krishna Prema. Taramadhe Sarvasrishta Nama Sankyutam Niraparadhe Nama Loile Pai Premadham. Among them all, the most powerful is Nam Sankyutam, because if one takes by chanting the name of Krishna without offenses, one can very easily get Prem, the treasure of Prema. So niraparade means without offenses. To be without offenses, one also has to hear about Krishna. So that's implicit in pure chanting. Hearing must also be there. So uh, in the prema siddhanta, for the siddhanta is that to attain prema is the ultimate goal of life. The means to attain that is... Uh, the process of bhakti, in which these five processes, associating with devotees, hearing the Bhagavatam, chanting the holy names of the Lord, living in Mathura, and faithfully worshipping the deity, these are principal. Then, uh, Prema Siddhanta also means that, well, having established or having understood that Prema is the ultimate goal of life, what is the nature of that prem? And again, the Gorya Vaishnava Acharyas have uh, far more than any other Acharyas dilated on the very, what is the nature of prem? The uh, other Acharyas, they're, they're concentrating more on the very fact that we have to, uh, or, or, or the supremacy of the Supreme Lord and that our need to surrender to Him. But the Gorya Acharyas especially, they have emphasized love of Krishna. What is the nature of that love? The nature of that love is that uh, by serving him with love, then uh, he who is rasa, rasovai saha, he is rasa, according to the Vedas, then various rasas are generated, or one acts within one's 
स्थाई भाव और वन पर्टिकुलर रिलेशनशिप विथ कृष्ण एंड एक्टिंग इन रिलेशनशिप विथ कृष्ण इंटरैक्टिंग विथ कृष्ण दैट बिकॉज कृष्ण ही इज रास then by interacting with him various moods and tastes are generated and this particularly the goria vaishnavas no other school of vaishnavas have taken this up having rupak swami in great detail has uh, in bhakti rasamrita sindhu in great detail means how much detail can there be it's an overview because rasa is constantly being generated krishna is unlimited and at every moment he interacts with an unlimited number of devotees who experience at every moment ever fresh rasa in experiencing krishna so rupakaswami has given a summary of that but that summary in itself is uh, very detailed no one else had no other vaishnava acharyas had attended this or even thought of this it seems so uh, what is the nature of prem that uh, chaitanya mahaprabhu has especially uh, you find in chaitanya charitamrita and in the writings of the goria acharyas what is what is the very nature of that love of krishna they have explained that now of course um to talk of prem is one thing to experience it and enter into that and attain that stage is something else what is considered love in this world is very different from the pure love that is prem आतेंद्रिय प्रीति वंश तारे बोले काम कृष्णेंद्रिय प्रीति इच्छा धरे प्रेम नाम देयर इज अ डिफरेंस बिटवीन सैटिस्फाई वंस ओन डिजायर्स दैट व्हिच गोस इन द नेम ऑफ लव इन दिस मटेरियल वर्ल्ड इज बेस्ड ऑन द प्रिंसिपल ऑफ ट्राइंग टू सैटिस्फाई वंस ओन डिजायर्स एंड व्हेन वन सिंपली लव्स कृष्णा फॉर द सेक ऑफ प्लीजिंग कृष्णा that is actual love so there's a great difference between the actual prem and what is known as love in this world and as long as one is thinking of his own self interest in any way separate from that of pleasing krishna then the actual krishna prem cannot arise so that's why even the desire for or maybe even especially the desire for mukti is rejected by chaitanya mahaprabhu that that, that is not if we are doing bhakti thinking oh at the end of this i krishna will be kind to me and the, the manifestation of his kindness is that he delivers me from material life but pure devotees in the line of chaitanya mahaprabhu they don't think like this that krishna's kindness will be that he will deliver me from material life pure devotees they think that krishna he will give me the opportunity to serve the servants of his servants 
Whether I'm liberated or not, that doesn't matter. But Krishna will give me the chance to serve him more and more. Totally selfless. So that is, uh, from our perspective, very elevated state. It's very difficult for us even to imagine it. At the present time, being so much bound up in thoughts of ourselves, I, me and mine. But at least by hearing about this and understanding this, we can begin to act in however rudimentary a manner in that consciousness. We have to know where, what we're aiming at and where we're going at and then, then we can start to proceed. If we think that I'm worshipping Krishna and at the end of all of this uh, I might at least in my next life have a better deal than I got in this life. Or I might go to... Yeah, it'd be nice to go to Vaikuntha but wouldn't mind stopping in Swargaloka on the way for some time. Uh, well, I don't think I'm really fit for Vaikuntha, but anyway, if I do Bhakti, Krishna, he'll save me from hell and I can go to heaven. So he may have various desires or misconceptions or misunderstandings. So at least we should understand the, uh, or hopefully become inspired by the prospect of serving Krishna just because he's Krishna. That Chaitanya Mahaprabhu presented. Prema Siddhanta. He himself is the very uh, form of Prema Siddhanta. We worship that Prema Siddhanta. Therefore, it is a very good name, Prema Siddhanta Das. We're all Prema, we're all servants of that Prema Siddhanta. <laughs> Another meaning of the servant of Prema Siddhanta is that this should be propagated. People don't know. Lokas ya janato vidvams chakra satvata sanghita manartha pashamang sakshan bhakti yoga matoksha. People don't know that all their problems can be mitigated by service to the transcendent Lord. Therefore, the learned Vyasadev, he compiled the Srimad Bhagavatam. So devotees in the line of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they serve him in various ways. One way is to go out in public and chant the names of Krishna. The name of Krishna is the very form of prema. And by distributing the knowledge of Krishna consciousness, which Srila Prabhupada has given us in the form of his books, by distributing his books, try to distribute Srimad Bhagavatam and all other books based on that Siddhanta. So this is also our service to the Prema Siddhanta, to speak according to that, not, as, not to speak according to anything else. Oh, chant Hare Krishna and you'll get peace of mind. That's not, that's not our Siddhanta. That's not Siddhanta. We don't say our Siddhanta. Siddhanta means it's not our Siddhanta, just like they say Indian philosophy. It's a, no, it's a nonsensical term, Indian philosophy. 
It's just like saying Indian mathematics. If it's correct, it's correct everywhere. If it's not correct, it's incorrect everywhere. Two plus two equals four. It's not Indian. If you say it in India, it doesn't make it Indian mathematics. So if we state Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, that is a fact. It's not Indian philosophy. It's just a fact, that's all. So, uh, it's not our Siddhanta. It's not that, it's not, not our opinion. There's also here in Tamil Nadu, it's quite widely popular, at least was more so in the past, Shaiva Siddhanta. Now it's more like Om Shakti Siddhanta or Ayapa Siddhanta or Sri Sri Ravi Shankar or something like this all. But Shaiva Siddhanta, it's not, it's not actually Siddhanta because it's not correct. Of course, those who are Shaivas, they won't agree with this, but then the greatest Shaiva, the greatest propagator of Shaiva Siddhanta, Ayapa Dikshita, he, he eventually, although this isn't very well known, but he eventually accepted that actually from the Vedas we cannot establish Shiva is supreme. Only Vishnu is established as supreme. Om Tat Vishnu Paramang Padang Sada Pashyanti Surya Ho Deviva Chakshura Tatam Tadvi Prasandipanyave Vishnu Yat Paramam Padam It's from the Rig Veda. Very clearly saying that Vishnu is supreme. So, uh, yeah, I have to preach the actual Siddhanta. Without knowing which, people are simply spoiling their lives. They don't know that the actual goal of their self, their actual self-interest is fulfilled by accepting Vishnu. So this is required, that we distribute this knowledge. of Prema Siddhanta. This way we can be servants of the Prema Siddhanta. Hare Krishna. Is there any question about this, please? No question. Everything's clear. No, well, if it's clear, that's good. Yes, what's your question, please? For the law of Krishna, philosophical understanding and Unto what stage of devotional service will philosophical understanding and submissive inquiry continue? It never ceases because Krishna is unlimited. So philosophical understanding of Krishna is unlimited. And it's also not that philosophic. Sometimes it's misunderstood that, well, when you become a pure, you become like a lover of Krishna in the footsteps of the Rajavasis that you give up all philosophical understanding. Now it's true, as Prabhupada often stated, that the gopis, they were not philosophers. But then again they come with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and write books establishing a philosophy, establishing Krishna as supreme and love of Krishna as supreme. So philosophical understanding of Krishna is not that it's some kind of boring, disgusting 
thing to be given up. But rather philosophical understanding of Krishna is relishable for the pure devotee. So it's not that it's ever given up. And submissive inquiry, well that may go, that may go on also because one cannot ever fully understand Krishna. How to understand the difference between a sahajya and prem bhakta of a devotee? A prakrita sahajya is one who imitates pure devotion and uh, pure devotee doesn't imitate, he actually has that. How can we understand the difference? Well, um, that may be very subtle. Generally those who are pure devotees of Krishna, they don't claim to be pure devotees. They don't uh, even subtly pretend to be pure devotees. They don't advertise themselves, I am a premi bhakta. I've got Krishna Prem. Come to me and I will give you Krishna Prem. But they uh, selflessly serve Krishna and teach people according to what they need to hear. Just like Srila Prabhupada's pure devotion for Krishna was manifest in his constantly teaching the message of Bhagavad Gita, that we're not the body, we're eternal spirit soul, we're eternal servants of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, what people needed to hear. And that was also manifest. Of course, the uh, the nine, the, the ecstatic symptoms are there of, a, of bhava, which are also, of course, present in praying that uh, a pure devotee of Krishna, he's very uh, tolerant of all material, he doesn't get disturbed by material difficulties, doesn't like to waste time, he's always engaged in Krishna's service, relishes chanting the holy names, relishes living in a holy place, is always expecting Krishna's mercy, is always very humble. So these are the symptoms of an actual pure devotee. And if one oneself is somewhat sincere, it's not very difficult to distinguish between one who's a person who's genuine and one who is superficial or artificial and just imitating. Depends on one's own sincerity also. Actually, this very important question is extensively dealt with in my book, which I recently published, the Sri Bhaktisiddhanta Vaibhav, because Bhakti Siddhanta, which is Prema Siddhanta, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati was constantly preaching this Bhakti Siddhanta and distinguishing it from the imitation of the Prakrita Sahajiyas. So this question is dealt with in some detail in this book which is available here. And you should understand that because there is a lot of imitation. Because imitation, it's easy. And we like to think that we've got something, we like to think we're on a very high platform 
without going through all the necessary purification. <laughs> 